Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Pastor Jared Neiman. All right. Wow. You may be seated. I don't know about any of you all, but that was strange for me. <laughs> I am not, inter- not used to my dad introducing me to preach. <laughs> I'm used to walking off and he comes up to teach. So we are continuing tonight the teaching called Dollars and Cents, the spiritual and practical side of managing your money. You know, we've read some daunting statistics over the last few weeks. I'll read a couple of them to you again. The average American savings account is only $3,800. The average American household debt is over $120,000. Average American household has over $15,500 on credit card debt. 74% of households if they lost their jobs today, would not have enough money to pay any of their bills after six months. Wow. Median household income in America, which is pretty awesome, is $50,000. Now, my dad started off talking about the spiritual side of managing your finances, and he established what we all need to accept into our life and put our hope and faith into, and that is that God absolutely wants our lives to prosper. Can I get a good amen Amen. about that? Have you accepted that into your life, that God is working on your behalf for your life to prosper? Amen. Amen? Amen. The other thing God wants to do is to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And I call it the the blessed to be a blessing cycle. I get blessed, I bless someone else. I get blessed, I bless someone else. I get blessed, I bless somebody. I get blessed, and I just get into this cycle where God is blessing me and my wife and my household. I'm blessing other people because I'm blessed. I can't even figure out where the which time. It's just blessing is coming on my life. I'm blessing other people. I live a lifestyle of blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. So then last week, we started looking at the practical side of managing your money. And I really am trying. My goal here in these two weeks is to be as practical as possible. I told you last week, I did not study finances in college. I'm not an economist. I don't have a degree in statistics or uh, an accounting degree. I don't have a master's in business, economics, none of that. Um, What I am, to be honest with you, uh, is a natural and in all humility, I don't say this with arrogance, I am a very talented money manager. And um, in these two weeks, my goal is, is to practically talk to you about managing your finances and building a strong financial future. I am not trying to give you big terms. I've uh, taken online courses and, and and little webinars and read things where I've walked out of there and said, I have no clue what these people were talking about. (laughs) Basically, if you didn't have a degree in economics, you don't know what they're talking about. And my goal here is to not confuse you. My goal is to make it so practical that no matter what your financial history, no matter what income level you may have, that you can take some of these things and apply them to your life and start making progress into building a strong financial future. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3. 
The foundation text for the two weeks that, I've been te- that I'm teaching, last week and this week, is this scripture. And it says in the Living Bible that any enterprise, have you accepted today that your household is an enterprise? Did you know, have you thought of your household as an enterprise? To me, the definition of an enterprise is anything that has income and expense. So therefore, our houses are enterprises, amen? So any enterprise is built on wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully. How many of you want your life to profit wonderfully? Okay, that was really bad. So the rest of you don't? How many of you want your lives to profit wonderfully? Give me a great amen. There we go. And profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. Stay strong through common sense. So to the best of our abilities, we make wise decisions, therefore reaping wise, good consequences. And profits wonderfully by staying abreast of the facts, by, by having wisdom, by reading about our finances, by budgeting, by taking steps, by knowing how much things cost, knowing how much money we make, knowing how much our water heater will cost if it were to explode, knowing how much a, a new uh, trash compactor would cost or how much our tires would cost. Do you know how much your mortgage is? Stuff like that, staying abreast of the facts. If you're researching buying a house, do you know what interest rates are going to be? Stuff like that. And you profit wonderfully by staying abreast of the facts. I was telling you a few things last week that it takes 3% annually to maintain your house. So if you have a $100,000 house, it'll cost you $3,000 a year just to maintain your house. But the average American household only has $3,000 total in savings. Many things, staying abreast of the facts. And the reality is, is that staying abreast of the facts, the more wisdom you have allows you to make better common sense decisions. And we started last week building the five steps to building a financial future. The first one was that we have to get a vision for our lives financially. And we're taking it from large to small. So you start with the vision. And a vision in your life financially paints the picture of where you want your household to go financially. The Bible says that where there is no vision, the people perish. They run around. They don't have direction. They don't have order. See, vision gives you order. Vision gives you direction. Vision gives you something to believe in God for his supernatural power to get you to that vision along with your wise planning, your staying abreast of the facts, your goal setting, which is number two. You set realistic goals. Why? Because a vision without a plan to reach the vision is simply a fantasy. It's a fantasy. You can have all the vision you want in the world, and if you don't sit down and write down some realistic goals, some realistic steps, and why do I choose the word realistic? Because in goal setting, you have to be realistic or else you won't achieve them and you'll find yourself giving up. We've all done it in January. (laughs) Right? You have to set realistic goals. The, The Bible says, Proverbs 28, verse 19, the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. You can't chase fantasies. You have to chase realities. You have to be realistic with your goal setting. So those two things, 
Your vision and your goal setting establishes the picture for your life. It gives you the direction you want your life to go in. It gives you the overall idea. It gives you a place to point your hope and faith in God to take you in this direction. And vision and goals brings accountability to your financial life. See, the more vision and the more powerful the vision is and the more realistic the goals are, the more you and your spouse or even you by yourself keep yourself accountable in your daily life to the vision. Does this purchase, does this idea, does this vacation and amount of money we're gonna spend stop me from accomplishing my vision and my goals? See, vision always brings accountability. And any enterprise is gonna be successful with accountability. And then we talked about the third step. See, we're going from bigger to smaller. The third step was preparation. Preparation. It involves staying abreast of the facts. The Bible says that a wise man, in Proverbs 22, verse 3, a wise man foresees the difficulties ahead and prepares for them. The fool goes blindly or unprepared and suffers the consequences therefore. A wise man prepares ahead. I gave you numerous examples about being prepared. You know, I, I, there's an incredible statistic that more Americans go into credit card debt in the month of December than the 11 other months total combined. In one month, Americans go into more credit card debt. But December's not surprising anybody. Christmas is coming. It's not sneaking up on us. I was telling you about this month that Carla and I have in May, and it's got my birthday, my sister's birthday, our anniversary, Mother's Day, my mother-in-law's birthday, my father-in-law's birthday, uh, and then in the first week of June is my sister-in-law's birthday, and uh, there was some, there's something else. There's so many things, I can't even remember all the things. It's a shockingly expensive month for us. Oh, my anniversary, did I say that? Someone tell Carla I said anniversary twice. <laughs> but May's not sneaking up on me. See, I prepare ahead of time for May because I know it's gonna be an incredibly expensive month instead of laying there stressed out in June about how I'm gonna pay for all the expenses. See, you prepare for three things. Number one, you prepare for the expected, which of course is your house, your car, your tithing. You, pray for, you prepare for all of that, food, utilities. Then you prepare for the unexpected, which is having some money put aside for if you were to blow a flat tire, if your water heater was to explode, if your dishwasher was to quit working, uh, you know, if you have to uh, go see a doctor, something like that, you prepare for the unexpected. And then the third thing you prepare for is the seasonal. Birthdays, Christmas, Jared and Carla Neiman, month of May's. <laughs> the seasonal. We all have months like that, don't we? Or two or three birthdays fall in the same month. You prepare for the seasonal. Back to school. Great example of seasonal. So tonight, the plan tonight is several things. I'm gonna finish the two points of the five, and to be honest with you, this is the make it or break it. This is the daily choices. This is Monday in the, in the month of August. This is Thursday morning, tomorrow morning, these two things. This weekend when you're at the mall, it's these two things. It's these two. Now, 
I'm going to be honest with you also. They're the hardest. It's easy to get a vision. I got so much vision for my financial life. That's easy. I mean, I can give you lots of things. It's easy to get a vision for your finances because there's always things we want. There's always a bigger house we'd love to buy. It's always a nicer car. There's always a vision of making more money. That stuff's easy. It's this stuff tonight. Then after that, I'm going to give you three tips of saving. Now, my dad told you the story about how I've been saving money since I was seven, eight years old. And when I was 10 years old, I had a shoebox where I had $2,000 of it. I'm not giving you um, like deep researched ways of saving money. I'm giving you how I save money. This is how my brain works, and I'm going to give you three tips. Then I gave you this thing, this budget. Did everybody get this? So we're going to go through budgeting, and I'm going to walk you through it, and then I'm going to explain to you on the back I put together some terms and definitions, and then I've got some questions and answers that you all submitted to me. But first, let's do this. So we have vision. We've set realistic goals. We start thinking ahead and preparing. We prepare for the expected, the unexpected, and the seasonal. And then number four, the nitty gritty, we have to have financial discipline. That's like a four letter word, isn't it? The next one's even worse. Financial discipline. Discipline. Did you know that the U.S. has the highest average income of any country in the world? The average household in the U.S. makes over $50,000 a year. But did you know that the U.S. also has one of the highest ratios of debt in families of any other country in the world? Why is that? No discipline. America's problem's not making money. Listen, we send uh, teams to the Dominican Republic where on average those families make $5 a week. Five a week. You have any job in America, you're making at least $7.75 an hour. Minimum wage. Five bucks a week. On average, you all in here are making between forty dollars and $50,000 a year. But on average, we are in a shockingly large amount of debt. And it all comes down to the two things tonight. The first one is discipline. The short of all of this, you can have all the goal, you can have all the vision, you can have all the knowledge, and it all comes down to one sentence. Don't spend more money than you make. Don't spend more than you make. Everybody in here makes different amounts. Everybody in here has different debt ratios. Everybody in here has different amounts of money saved. Everybody in here has different situations. And all of it comes down to don't spend more money than you make. Number one cause of divorce in America is finances. My dad and I have a little saying in our family. You want to make a marriage make marriage advice easy, do three things. Number one, put God first. Number two, go home and be nice. 
Just be nice. And number three, don't spend more money you make than you make. Because there is no pressure that comes on a household, whether you're married or whether you're single, than financial pressure. You want stress levels to rise. You want blood pressure to go up. You want to lose sleep at night. You want to start getting doubts of uh, uh, thoughts of doubt that God isn't on your side. That that's, spend more money than you make. Get yourself under financial pressure, and all of it comes. It all comes. And it all comes down to discipline. Your ability to discipline yourself financially, to live within your means, and to prepare for what's ahead will determine your financial success. And it will determine the probability and the likelihood of whether or not you see those visions and goals realized in your future. It's your ability to live within your means, to discipline yourself financially, and to prepare for what's ahead. And that's true, listen, ladies and gentlemen, that is true irregardless of status, irregardless of how much money you make. I can give you numerous examples of basketball players, football players, baseball players that have made sums of 150, 250, 300 million dollars and they are broke. You've heard about them. Haven't you? I read a story about a guy named Allen Iverson. Many of you know about him. He made over $200 million and he is broke. Broke. Losing his house, filing bankruptcy. Broke. The determination of your financial future is not solely determined on how much money you make. Let me tell you something incredible. I, I, I found this out while I was studying this. The millennial generation, which is the generation that was born in, from 1980 to 2000. So they're in their 20s, even some of them are in their teens, but the ones that this statistic holds the most truth are in their 20s and young 30s, are saving more money than any generation since before World War I. Yet, they make way less money. See, of course they're making way less money than people who are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Of course they are. Because the people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, they're the managers. They're the company owners. They're, they're who's on, uh, in charge. The millennial generation is the part-time guy right now. They're the guys working at restaurants. They're the, the, the rookie in the corporate ladder. They're the two-year guy, the guy right out of college. So what it says to me is it's not how much money you're making necessarily. It's the determination of living disciplined within your means and setting a mindset to save money. Now the problem with the millennial generation is their priorities are out of whack. They're all saving money, saving money to go on vacations. That's their priority. It's weird. But they're saving money at a higher ratio than any generation since before World War I. It's not the amount of money you make. Let me tell you a story. When I've, I bought my first house, I bought this really, uh, this a track home. They call them starter homes. This is a company many of you probably know of. Some of you probably live in their house. It's called Desert View. I bought a little house up here on, uh, uh, off of Zaragoza when I was 23 years old. And uh, it, was, it cost me $72,000. My mortgage payment was $724.62. I so proudly wrote that check every month. It was really neat. 
But man, I was on a tight budget. Tight. I was working three part-time jobs here at the church. I was doing some office work, and then I was teaching two classes at the school, and then I asked my parents to let me coach because that would give me a little extra money. And then I went and got a job on the weekends in the mall. So I would work every day except Sunday, except Sunday, I was here. So I worked every day, every day. Literally, I had $100 a month. I mean, $100 a week, listen, 100 bucks a week for all of my life. 100 bucks a week. Came down to my budget, $100 a week. For my gas, and that was when our offices were downtown and I was living on Zaragoza. So for my gas, my food, my entertaining, I was single at the time and didn't have many girlfriends. <laughs> wow. I mean, my first date with Carla was ice cream, thank God. I mean, I only had like eight bucks left for the week. Every Sunday, every Sunday after church, I would drive to the Bank of America ATM right there in the, where AT&T and Starbucks is and I would get $100 out and that was all the money I had for the week. But I budgeted into my life $50 a month of saving money because I had started investing in mutual funds. See, I adjusted my living style to my budget. I didn't adjust my budget to how I wanted to live. I was 23 years old. I would have loved to have had that $50 to go out on dates, to go to movies, to go do stuff. I ate a lot of Wendy's dollar menu. <laughs> and anytime my mom and dad would ask me to go to dinner, I mean, baby, I was there. Because <laughs> they always paid. Always. I mean, it didn't matter if I hated the place. I was going with them. <laughs> Feed me. My mom would call me sometimes and say, hey, I'm going to Target. Do you need anything? And I'm totally convinced that she was th thinking like, oh yeah, you know, some paper towels. I mean, I would load up everything I could think of, whether I needed it or not. I was gonna need it eventually. I mean, eventually, whether you've got toilet paper in your house, you're gonna get to it. I mean, eventually you'll need it. I, oh, I need toilet paper, deodorant, I, I, everything you can think of. Are you kidding me? But I still saved money. See, I put myself under financial discipline because I had a vision for my life. And that vision was that I wanted to buy a house. I wanted to invest into a house. And it didn't matter to me about the other things. I had financial discipline. Now, can I give you five things that affect your financial discipline? You ready? Number one, budgeting. Do you know that 56% of American households, more than half of you in this room tonight, don't have a budget? 75% of that 56% don't have, admit to not knowing what their expenses are. You can't live with discipline if you don't know how much money you're making and you don't know how much money you're spending. Right? Right. Number two. Habits. So many people don't often attribute that we have financial habits. But we all have financial habits. We all have places where we're spending money that is habitual. 
They say that it takes over 30 days to break a habit on average. The good thing to me is, by October, I can break these bad habits. That seems reasonable, doesn't it? If I'm above average on that, it might be by the end of September. If I'm below average, maybe November. But hey, still by the end of the year, I can probably break these habits. Right? Number three. Credit cards. The reality is, we have an over-reliance on credit cards. An over-reliance on credit cards. I told you earlier, the average American household has $15,500 of credit card debt. When I was living on that tight budget, I didn't put a credit card in my wallet. I had them for emergencies, stuff like that. I took them out of my wallet, though. So that on a daily basis, all I had was that 100 bucks. In... And let me tell you what else I did. At the end of the week, see, I am a determined spender. I've always had a shoebox. I still have one to this day. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I have a shoebox in my closet. If I got to the end of the week with money still left, I would take the money out put it in the shoebox, and on Sunday I'd go get the 100 bucks. I lived in that house for two and a half years, and I pulled that shoebox out. I had $2,800 in it. Taking $1 bills out, $5 bills, 10 bucks out. I had 2,800 bucks. I don't know how. Just piled up over two and a half years, right? But we have an over-reliance on credit cards in America. And the danger with credit cards is that you lose track of your spending, isn't it? You swipe, you swipe, you swipe, you lose track of your spending. Number four, ego affects your discipline. Ego. So often in America, we buy ego-related items. We go on ego-related trips. We have eager, I'll give you one example, iPhones. So millions of people that have iPhones and they're not saving money. You're spending 150 bucks a month on a phone and you're not saving any money. It's an ego-related item. Name brand clothing, but you're not saving money. Going on trips and staying at certain hotels, but you're going into debt to pay for the hotel. They're ego-related items. For whatever reason, in America, we have this sense that we have to compete with other people. And we don't. The only person you can control is yourself. Number five, impulse. Impulse buying. I'd like to give you a phrase that I often say to myself, just because I can afford this, should I afford this? Impulse buying. Americans are huge impulse buyers. Huge. So these five things, budgeting or lack of it, bad habits. Of course, you can flip them to good habits and it can affect your discipline on a positive way. Over-reliance on credit card, ego, and impulse. Now the next thing, here's where we get really hard. You ready? Are you sure? 
You're not going to throw your pins at me? This is it. Financial sacrifice. Oh, we have this huge thing here in America. We want everybody else to sacrifice, but not us. Uh, Raise taxes to pay off the national debt. Just don't do it in El Paso. Okay? Thank you, government. The Republicans and Democrats can't come together because neither of them will sacrifice. Right? We all, on average, we're making money. On average, we're making money more than any country in the world. More than any country in the world, but we have more debt. Why? Discipline, sacrifice. No discipline and no sacrifice will will take you to never achieving that vision or goals. But it's hard. Because sacrifice says you have to put away today's desires for tomorrow's fulfillment. You put away today's desires. Sacrifice means that you say no if it's not in line with your vision and your goals. It means that you buy a Honda instead of a Lexus. It means that you buy clothing on sale. It means that you look at your hobbies and say, are these really worth it to me? We're broke, we're in debt, we don't have any money saved, but I'm spending 400 bucks a month on golf. It means maybe on vacation that we drive instead of flying. It means maybe we get a second job on the weekends. It means that maybe we rent movies instead of going out to the movies. It means that maybe we don't get the iPhone and have a flip phone instead. See, sacrifice says that maybe we cancel the internet or cancel the cable and get Netflix and pay $9.99 instead of however much. It means that we buy the house that we can afford. Uh Uh-oh. It means sometimes we tell our children... As my dad likes to say, telling your children no will not make them serial killers. (laughs) The problem in America, listen, is not vision, it's not dreams, it's not goals, and it's definitely not opportunity, and it is not making money. The problem is spending too much money. That's the problem. We don't live within our means. Now, a couple items that you should never sacrifice. In my opinion, tithing. You never sacrifice tithing. You don't, to the best of your ability, sacrifice mandatory bills, and you don't sacrifice saving. What's the key to financial sacrifice? Knowing your priorities. Priorities, priorities, priorities. We've gotta have discipline. We have to have sacrifice. See, it's discipline and sacrifice that get us, that allows our preparation to get us to achieving those goals, which get us to seeing our visions come to life. 
discipline and sacrifice. Okay, we got 10 more minutes. Did you, did you enjoy that? The five things. Three tips to saving money. Three tips to saving money. Number one, budgeted. If you can, budget saving money. I call it non-optional saving. When we go on vacation, when we uh, buy things, when even in the month of May, all of it is subject to paying our tithe, paying our bills, and saving money. After that, the budget for the spending is allotted. You call it non-optional. Let me give you some ideas of, 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 of lowering your budget in order to save. Make your coffee at home and skip Starbucks. Eat at home instead of going out. Rent movies instead of going to the theater. Buy non-perishable perishable items in bulk. Eat your groceries. Did you know, no, listen, listen. Did you know that 40, listen to me, 40% of groceries get thrown in the trash. So 40% of your food budget is ending up in your trash. Eat your food. Monitor your thermostats. Wow. Okay, budgeted. Number two, discretionary saving. Now this, the next two is where I'm really good. I mean, this is, this is what I'm really good at. Discretionary savings. When you have some extra money, save it. Or save some. Jared, you don't ever say, yeah, I spend money. We spend money. Don't worry about it. I mean, my wife and I, we love going shopping. We, go, we take vacations. We go but it's after the saving of the money. Many times this comes out of prioritizing discretionary income and is determined by lifestyle choices. So much of this area comes down to number four and number five on the discipline list. Discretionary saving. Check your hobbies, I already mentioned that. Shop on sale. If you had budgeted more than what you actually spent, take the money and save it instead of spending it. Cancel a service. Exercise more. Every doctor on the planet will tell you that exercising lowers your healthcare costs. Particularly long-term. Budget your vacationing differently. And number three, opportunistic saving. Opportunistic saving. I can tell you one thing I do, I take every $1 bill out of my wallet and I put it in the shoebox. Sometimes I, can e I even take the fives and tens out. But the truth is, you, you can probably take a $1 bill out of your wallet and not notice it. Opportunistic, when you get a raise, sit down. I love it if, if Carla gets a raise or I get a raise. I love to be able to increase my lifestyle a little bit. You know what, but budget some of the raise to savings. Shop opportunistically. Everybody knows if you need a refrigerator, a new car, if you need um, any type of machinery, that on Memorial Day, Labor Day, Christmas, they all go on sale. Right? Shop opportunistically. Keep coins. Ask people to give you money for your birthday and for your Christmas money. Save some of it. Spend some of it. Save some of it. So three ways to save money. Are you enjoying this so far? I'm going fast because I can't keep you here till 10 o'clock. So number one, budget it. Budget saving. 
Number two, do some things to bring you some discretionary savings. And number three, be opportunistic about your savings. You know one thing I did? I, signed, I, I do online banking. I signed up for this thing Bank of America has. It's called Keep the Change. And so, like, if you spend $4.78, they'll transfer the 22 cents into a savings account. I signed up for it three years ago. No, four, five years ago. I've saved like 3,000 bucks. 20 cents, 80 cents, 60 cents. You don't even notice it. But you notice it after three or four years. Man, you notice it when that little savings account that they designate for it has 800 bucks in it. Wow. Call your credit card company and ask them to lower your rate. When Carla and I got married, she had credit card debt from college. I got one of those zero balance transfer things for 12 months, I did it. Paid off the credit card with zero interest. I was opportunistic, saved us a fortune. Okay, you ready to go through this budget? Okay, they're gonna put this on the screen. Now I did this for you and, and when I saw that statistics about 50, if anybody doesn't, didn't get one, will you raise your hand and the ushers will bring you one? I did this for you because I read that statistic about 56% of families not having one. And I, I think that's a real shame because budgeting is where you're prepared. Budgeting is where you stay abreast of the facts. Budgeting is where you learn how much money you're really making, how much money you're really spending, how much money you have left over, it's where you can find places to cut, right? It's in budgeting. So I did this for you. I also want to tell you at the bottom of this, you'll see a link. And we've created a page called Dollars and Cents. And on there is, is every single of these services. So they'll load tonight's service uh, sometime in the next couple days. This is on there. You can get it and print it at any time. You can download the financial confessions that we have. Um, all my notes are on there. We're going to put my dad's notes on there. Um, my assistant's going to type up my notes tomorrow, and it'll be on there. So it's all available to you. But I want to go through this with you quickly. Guys, start putting these on the screen. The first one there is charity. I've categorized them for you so that you can just go home and fill in the amounts. I tried to come up with as many things as possible I put it on regular paper so you can scratch it out. Okay, I can't literally think of everything, okay? But charity, your tithes, charity, your offering. Many of you support, you know, Diabetes Association, Cancer uh, Association, stuff like that. I think that's awesome. So your charity budget. The next one is your savings budget. Your emergency fund, your retirement fund, your college fund, and your investments. Okay, so you'd fill in those expenses. The next one is your housing your mortgage, your rent, your real estate taxes. Now, many of you have your real estate taxes included in your mortgage, so fine, just cool. Repairs, maintenance, and any association dues. Some of you live in gated communities, you have an association due. Your utilities, those are pretty obvious, but they're coming every month, right? Next is food, groceries, restaurants. We waste a lot of money at restaurants. Clothing, adults, children, cleaning, laundry, dry cleaning, that would all fit in here, right? Transportation, gas and oil, repairs and tires. Some of you don't know how much money you spend on gas, start writing it down, and then you'll know, on average. 
right? License, taxes, car payments, others, medical and health. These are pretty self-explanatory, but we've got to budget them. A lot of people have monthly medications that they're spending money on, stuff like that. Some of you know when you're going to go to the dentist, well, that's going to affect that month's budget, right? I'm going to the dentist tomorrow. Ugh. Insurance is next. Life insurance, health insurance. Many of you have health insurance automatically debited out of your um, paycheck, so you wouldn't put it there. Auto insurance, disability, identity theft, long-term, I, I tried to think of all of them for you, okay? I'm sorry if I didn't get all of them. Next is personal. Here's where you get into discretionary items. Babysitters, childcare, well, that's probably not discretionary. Toiletries, education, books, child support, alimony, subs, subscriptions, that's definitely. Organization dues, gifts, furniture, pocket money, baby supplies, I mean, that's all, I try, I mean, Try to think of a lot of things for you, okay? Next would be recreation. This is entertainment, going to movies. This is, uh, you know, just stuff, golf, all that type of stuff. Bowling. That's all I can think of. <laughs> I don't have hobbies, I'm just being honest. My hobby is church. <laughs> Next is debts. Now, this is the category that hopefully the goal will be to get out of, right? I put up to five credit cards, set a goal to, if you got five, set a goal to get it to four, then to three, then to two, student loans, and other, okay? Now, at the end of all of that, you see the calculator. Here's where it comes down to. You put in your total income, and what I mean, when I budget, I budget what hits my bank. I mean... Uh, you can't budget FICA. I mean, <laughs> who is that guy? <laughs> total income minus total expenses leaves you your balance. Okay? I hope you enjoy that. Um, you can print as many of them as you want. Okay? I really encourage you to do this. I mean, this is so important to your financial future. Will you give me five more minutes? Yes. On the back of this, I put on here... Guys, there we go. Uh, I put on here, I did it myself, a layman's term of your investment options. I put a money market account. That's a glorified savings account. It averages 2% um, uh, return. I put what a certificate of deposit is. Many of you have heard of CDs, right? I put what those are. They average 3%. Put what stocks, those all vary. Put what mutual funds are and where you can get them. They average 8% return. I put bonds, annuities. I put what a 401k is. Many of you have those. An IRA. I don't have time to read them to you all. I'm sorry, guys, but this is why I wanted to give it to you, okay? I put what term life insurance is and what whole life insurance is. There is a difference. Term life insurance tends to be significantly cheaper. Um, and whole life insurance usually has an annuity involved in it. Most of these you can get at your bank, okay? Uh, or you can definitely get them with a financial planner. Do you, do you like this thing? I hope you enjoy it. Um, and I do want to thank my staff. They helped me put that together. Two more minutes. I, I, had a, I had four really great questions that I just want to answer.
One of them is, my husband and I have the same dreams, but we think totally different when it comes to finances, and we can never agree on steps to reach our goals. So they have the same dreams, but can't, re can't agree on the steps. How do we come together? Well, number one, you realize that the, the dream is more important than the steps. So compromise on the steps, communicate significantly, and prioritize. Any marriage, no matter what you're talking about, is going to come down to compromise. Is it wise for me to pay monthly payments in advance if I have extra money? I would absolutely think so, unless you have a prepayment penalty. Find out if you have a prepayment penalty. But I would think so. I pay extra on my mortgage because when I did my mortgage, they told me if you pay this amount, you can turn your 30-year mortgage into a 15-year mortgage and it'll save you this god-awful amount of interest. And I was like, well, I'll do it to the best of my ability. So why not? Couples, here we go. I got, I think, 10 of these. Should we have joint accounts or separate? And do we separate our bills? Um, I think the answer is whatever works for you. Um, I, I personally, we have joint. Um, now, if you have trust issues, keeping your money separate might harbor the tr trust issues. I do believe if you keep them separate, you should communicate significantly and both should have access to see what's going on. Um, I will be honest, I've, I've only known people who had separate accounts where 10 years later they found out that one of them had a shocking amount of debt or something like that. I've, I, I have seen way less of that with people who had joint accounts. Again, I'm not telling you what to do. I know numerous people who have separate accounts. They separate their bills accordingly and agree what each person's gonna pay and they're totally successful about it but they communicate significantly. I hope that helps you. How do I invest for my child's college fund? Listen, Texas has an amazing thing called 529A plans. They are specifically set up for you to invest for your, college, your, for your child's college future. Great thing is, the majority of them don't have minimum amounts. You can start with like 20 bucks a month. They, um, and usually all of them have tax benefits for you. And the majority of them, um, if your kid is brilliant and gets a scholarship, you can get the money back. It's not designated just for college. I mean, if you, you know, 18 years from now, you got a scholarship, well, give me my money back and they give you your money back. <laughs> After paying off my credit cards, should I cut them off? Cut them up. When I paid off all our credit cards, I cut up all of mine except for one for emergencies. That's, I can't tell you what to do. That was what we did. Is having a major credit card good or bad? Um, if you're going into debt with the card, it's bad. <laughs> Rent or buy? Listen, buying has more cost associated with it. I believe in the American dream of buying a house, but you don't buy a house if you can't afford the house. I have sat with young couples, some of them are in this room, and told them your best option right now is to rent a house and to rent an apartment. Because you don't have the financial capability to keep up the landscaping if the water heater goes out. See, renting, if the water heater goes out, you call the landlord. He fixes it. Owning, you called plumber, and that's 800 bucks later. Right? So I believe in buying a house if you can afford it. If you can afford it. 
Did you enjoy this? I hope that helped you. I could take weeks and weeks to talk about this stuff, but we only have 35 minutes. Let's pray real quick and I'll dismiss you. I'm sorry I kept you late. I just want to get that stuff in. Stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these incredible people. Lord, I know that there are people in here of all different walks of life, all different financial situations. And Lord, first and foremost, we put our absolute trust in you. Lord, we're gonna do it your way. And I thank you, Father, that your blessing is on this earth and we as your children will walk in your blessing and experience your supernatural divine increase in our lives. Lord, we commit right now to get in your river and do these practical things that will help us to go down your river smoothly. We don't want to swim upstream. We don't want to stop what you have for our lives by foolishness. We're going to prepare. We're going to get visions, dreams. We're going to have discipline and sacrifice. Lord, I believe in this room, in the name of Jesus, that you are bringing promotions. You're bringing salary increases. You're bringing talents, abilities, and opening doors for people to open businesses and open restaurants. I believe you're giving young people scholarships to go get master's degree, to become doctors, nurses, financial planners, whatever it is, God. I believe from this room there is financial stability in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes to things that we can do to help build a strong financial future for our households in the name of Jesus. And all those who agreed said, amen. amen. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information on teaching materials or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com or charlesneeman.com.